بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد وبارك وسلم My respected brothers and sisters in Islam assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Tonight we are going to be covering the fourth juz and this compromises of a majority of the fourth juz the first three quarters uh, are the ending part of Surah Ali Imran and uh, the f- last quarter of the fourth juz is from Surah An-Nisa it begins with ayah number 92 of Surah Ali Imran the fourth juz بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لن تنالوا البر حتى تنفقوا مما تحبون وما تنفقوا من شيء فإن الله به عليم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says with emphasis that you will never ever attain piety until you spend from that which you love. You will never attain righteousness and bir until you spend from that which you love. And whatever you spend in the path of Allah, verily Allah is fully aware of it. This is the first ayah of the fourth juz, Lantanal. Lantanal birra. You will never attain piety. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, throughout the Quran when he speaks about striving in his path and you strive in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the vast majority of the ayat he mentions the money first your wealth and your lives so spending from that which Allah has provided us in his path is necessary to obtain taqwa obtain righteousness and to become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and one would be a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spend in my path those who spend are beloved that would have a certain level of emphasis but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off by negating and saying you can never reach piety unless you spend this raises the bar and this places great emphasis and how important it is to spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to gain proximity to him to gain his pleasure to gain his love the sahaba radiyallahu anhu ajma'in they also had attachment to the worldly things mimma tuhibbun Allah ta'ala himself said that which you love as Allah ta'ala says wa tuhibbun al-mala hubban jamma and you love wealth and you love material things hubban jamma excessively you have strong love for these things strong attachment to these things our creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows because he has put this love in our hearts as a test are we ready to separate from our beloved dunya for his sake or not so the sahaba they loved material things too but for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are ready to sacrifice it the only difference is they loved Allah more those were the true believers their love for Allah is the most extreme love it has no bounds it is the supreme love in their hearts this is the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he taught us Allahumma ja'al hubbaka ahabba al-ashya iladayya O Allah make your love the most strong love the strongest love in my heart more than I love anyone else I should love you O Allah more than I love anything else, I should love you, O oh Allah. 
<coughs> so they used to give up their beloved things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it was not difficult for them whatsoever when this ayah was revealed there are many different narrations in the books of hadith how the sahaba reacted certain sahaba they came to Rasulullah and they said my garden with the beautiful orchards of trees and date palm trees and the running water and the cool grass that you sit on in the shade of the trees with the family enjoy the shade, enjoy the fruits and sell the fruits and enjoy the income all of these benefits from the garden but I've seen this ayah I've heard this ayah it was revealed upon you you can never obtain piety until you spend from that which you love and I love this garden so much so I'm, re- I'm ready to give it up for the sake of Allah this is how they came forward and this is the time for us to ask ourselves in this month of Ramadan what beloved thing are we ready to give up for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should all make that intention that something that we are attached to something that we love very much we give it for the sake of Allah and we donate it in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeking the pleasure of Allah this is important that we have to have yaqeen in the promises of Allah that Allah will give us back in this dunya and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward us in the akhirah not only in the akhirah but will give us in this dunya but at the same time our ikhlas has to be only for the pleasure of Allah and sometimes these are apparently contradictory feelings one is the yaqeen in the promise but the yaqeen in the promise of Allah cannot be so overpowering that it affects the ikhlas that a person starts spending in the path of Allah with the intention that he will get multiple rewards in this dunya he will get it back in, in this world rather the ikhlas has to be maintained along with the yaqeen and conviction in the promise and the ikhlas is that he is doing it only he or she is spending only to gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ibtigha wa jilla as Allah ta'ala mentions in surah al-dahr يُتْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حَبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا About the Sahaba despite themselves being hungry and starving they feed other people the miskin, the, the poor person the prisoner, the orphan, yatim and they say إِنَّمَا نُتْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ We are only feeding you for the sake of Allah لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا We do not want any thanks from you any any, any appreciation from you we only seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala moving forward in ayah number 96 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna awwala baytin wudi'alin nas verily the first house that was erected for all mankind lalladhi bi bakkah is in the valley of makkah mubarakan it is a source of barakah and blessing wa hudan lil alameen source of guidance for the entire world in it there are clear evident signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala including the footstep of Ibrahim alayhi salam and whoever enters the haram will be safe and protected and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it an obligation for him upon the people 
to perform Hajj of the Baytullah, sabila, whoever has the ability to travel towards the Baytullah, towards the Haram, toward to perform the Hajj, whoever has the ability, financial and physical ability. And whoever disbelieves in Allah, then Allah is independent of all of His creation of all the worlds. So in these ayat we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about the Baytullah, the Kaaba, that is the first house erected as a source of barakah and guidance. And somebody recently asked me this question that if the tawaf is stopped, which is so sad, and the umrahs are stopped, and the taraweeh is reduced to only few people, and uh, will we not be able to gain that level of barakah from the haram, from the Kaaba? What will the effect be? So, if our hearts are attached to our local masajid, and mashallah, through uh, these live streaming, uh, all the brothers and sisters and young children and old uh, our grandparents are listening to the programs daily. So our homes are connected to the masajid, connected to the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these masajid are all facing the Baytullah. And even though the Baytullah may be forlorn and maybe uh, no one there, but this Baytullah is directly under the Baytul Ma'mur in the fourth sky. And that is directly under the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is connected from Allah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the hidayat and barakah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes mubarakan wahudan. Barakah and hidayah comes onto the Baytullah. And from the Baytullah, it is transmitted to all the masajid. All the houses of Allah that are facing the direction of the qibla. And from the masajid, those houses that are linked up to it, they will get, insha'Allah, that barakah and hidayah flowing into their homes. So even though the tawaf has stopped, and even though the taraweeh has stopped in the haram, if we are connected with the masajid, insha'Allah, we will be in the network. And once you're in the network, hooked up to the network, the barakah and hidayah will be coming to our homes and we can all benefit from it. Specifically mentioned in this ayah, is ayatun bayinatun many clear signs which one is specifically mentioned maqamu ibrahim the footstep of ibrahim alayhi salam this is a reminder for all of us that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have saved the artifacts of any other nabi but he saved that of ibrahim alayhi salam and of ibrahim alayhi salam he could have saved his staff or his clothes clothes or his cloak or anything he used in his life his pen a book that he used the suhuf ibrahim the tablets of ibrahim upon which the wahi was inscribed all of those things are gone in the in in the history they're lost but one thing which he preserved is the footstep of ibrahim which is engraved in the rock embedded in the rock in the stone that we see in front of the door of the Kaaba in its glass in, in, in the glass uh, enclosure with the golden top so why is the footstep of all things preserved and what is the sign and indication that Allah Ta'ala is giving us what is the reason that the footstep is preserved it is because Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in the Quran وَاتَّبِعُوا مِلَّةَ أَبِيكُمْ Ibrahim." 
اتبعوا ملت ابراہیم حنیفہ فالو دا فٹ اسٹیپس آف یور فور فادر ابراہیم علیہ السلام اللہ سبحان تعالیٰ ونس ٹو فالو دا فٹ اسٹیپس آف ابراہیم علیہ السلام بوتھ لٹرلی بائی ریٹریسنگ ہز فٹ اسٹیپس اینڈ ہز وائز فٹ اسٹیپس ان سعی ان طواف اینڈ گوئنگ ٹو مینا اینڈ عرفات فالو دا فٹ اسٹیپس آف ابراہیم علیہ السلام ان ہز ایکشنس بائی سلاڈرنگ دا گوٹس اینڈ دا شیپ ایز ہی ڈیڈ and when his son was replaced by the ram of jannah so f- follow his footsteps physically and also literally uh, figuratively uh, figuratively majazan haqiqatan wa majazan majazan that the way he submitted to the will of allah the way he was a true muslim when allah ta'ala said to him id qala lahu rabbuhu aslim when allah asked ibrahim alayhi salam submit to my will Submit to my order He said I submit to the Lord of the world He completely submitted himself To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The test came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Do you love Your wife more Or do you love me more He gave up the love for his wife By leaving her in a forsaken Valley without a blade of grass as Allah Ta'ala had commanded him Hajar was left behind because it was the order of Allah Ta'ala and he made dua for her he loved her as we can see from his dua uh, he made dua that inni askantu min dhurriyati biwadin ghayriti dhara'in inda baytikal muharram and he said oh Allah I'm leaving my wife and children in this valley without a blade of grass he made dua for their safety and he made dua warzukhum min al-thamarat provide them risk and provision and even fruits la'allahum yashkurun so they may be grateful unto you so he made dua for them he, he, it was not that he did not like his wife he abandoned her na'udhu billah but rather it was the order of Allah do you love your wife more or do you love Allah he showed he loved Allah more than his wife do you love your son more or do you love Allah he put the he put the knife to his son's throat to prove that he loved Allah more than his son and subhanallah do you love your father more and your homeland more or do you love Allah so he inni muhajirun ila rabbi sayahdeen he made hijrah and he migrated from his watan his homeland and from his father's home and he left his parents for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to practice the deen of Allah Do you love your own self, your own preservation of life that you have this basic instinct? Do you love yourself more or do you love Allah more? Allahu Akbar. This final test as well, he jumped into the fire and he proved that he loved Allah more. So this is the true submission which is the essence of Islam. And this is what he made dua. Rabbana ij'alna muslimaini lak wa min dhurriyatina ummatan muslimatan lak. Make me and my son Ismail true Muslims. And from my progeny make them true Muslims. And that is why Allah Ta'ala says, هُوَ سَمَّاكُمُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ He is the one who gave you the name of Muslim. If you are called Muslim today and a Muslim Ummah today, it is because this is the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam. وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ And from my progeny create an Ummah Muslimah, a Muslim Ummah. He was a true Muslim. Allah Ta'ala says, مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ يَهُودِيًّا وَلَا نَصَرَانِيًّا وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا He was a true Muslim, the one who submitted. He was not a Yehudi or a Nasrani. وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ 
He was not a polytheist, a mushrik. He was a true Muslim in all sense of the word. And Allah Ta'ala preserved his footstep for us when we go there and we see with our eyes, with our own eyes, لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ You witness things that are going to benefit you. Allah Ta'ala says one of the purposes for Hajj and Umrah is لِيَشْهَدُوا مَنَافِعَ لَهُمْ That you witness things which will benefit you. And one of the things to witness is the footstep of Ibrahim and to reflect that Allahu Akbar, how beloved the servant of Allah is, Allahu Ibrahim Khalila. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him his friend. Ibrahim Alladhi Wafa. He was a loyal servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who did wafa to Allah Ta'ala. So we make dua that we follow in his footsteps. This is mentioned here in the fourth juz. And then moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah one or two. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu attaqullaha haqqa tuqatih O those who believe, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The way it is the right of Allah that you fear Him Wala tamutunna And make sure you do not die Illa wa antum muslimun But in a state that you are true Muslims But in a state that you completely submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala This is an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To make sure that you fear Allah The way it is His right to be feared and make sure you do not die but in a state you are a true Muslim جميعاً, and hold on together firmly unto the rope of Allah and do not become divided amongst yourselves and remember the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you when you used to be enemies of one another he is the one who put love and understanding and compassion in your hearts for each other. فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا So you become, so you became, dude, from his favors upon you, you became brothers. وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَا حُفْرَةٍ مِنَ النَّارِ And you were on the edge of the pit of the fire of Jahannam. فَأَنْقَذَكُمْ مِنْهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one from his sheer mercy. He saved you from that dangerous predicament. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly explains His signs so that you may be rightly guided. In these ayats, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the collective success of the Muslim ummah and for the individual success of the Muslim ummah at the individual level and a collective level, for the absolute success in all fronts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given uh, the solution in two orders in two two commandments one is at an individual level to inculcate taqwa fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fear of accountability in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sense of accountability in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sense that a person has to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of, of the day of judgment and that the day of judgment is a reality and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge between his creation and we have to answer for each and everything to have this sense this is called taqwa at an individual level and at a collective level that the entire ummah has unity in purpose unity in direction unity in intention unity in practice and and that will be achieved by holding on firmly to the rope of Allah and by the rope of Allah Allah is referring to the kitabullah as is mentioned in the hadith in which Rasulullah himself described the kitab Allah huwa hablullah al-mamdud min as-sama'i ila al-ardi the book of Allah this is the rope of Allah which is extending from the heavens to the earth 
So the first commandment is, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. O those who believe, Ittaqullaha haqqa tuqati. Inculcate taqwa in your hearts the way it is the right of Allah to fear Him. Not as much as you feel or as much as convenient, but rather as much as the right of Allah. As much as the right of Allah is. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a right. And the right of Allah is that we remember Him at all times and never forget Him. That we obey Him at all times and do not disobey Him. And that we are grateful to Him at all times and we are never ungrateful to Him. This is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yuta'a fala yu'asa. That he is remembered and not forgotten, that he is thanked and not, uh, and that we are not ungrateful, and that he is obeyed and that we do not disobey him. This is the right of Allah subhanahu wa taala upon us. So this reality of taqwa sometimes is translated as fear of Allah, but in reality is the sense of accountability, that there is a yomuddin, and that is the day of retribution. And on that day of Yomuddin, there is a Maliki Yomuddin, as we recite in Surah Al-Fatiha. There is a master of the day of retribution, the day of judgment, and he will judge between his creation. Yomuddin tu'aradun, that day you will be presented in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yomuddin tu'aradun, la takhfa minkum khafiyah, nothing will be hidden. Nothing will be hidden in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing can be hidden, you cannot hide anywhere. لا ترى فيها عوجا ولا أمتا. On that day, on the plane of jan of judgment, this earth will be destroyed. Another plane will be erected. يوم تبدل الأرض غير الأرض. This earth will be destroyed. Another land will be created. And on that land, لا ترى فيها عوجا ولا أمتا. There will be neither incline nor decline, nor any hills nor valleys. So you can no place to hide in the shadows. It will be a straight plane. لا تخفى منكم خافية. You cannot escape from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. ما لكم من مفر. There will be no place to run away from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala refers to that day as يوم الحسرة, the day of regret. يوم الندامة, يوم التغابن, the day when people will call out into each other. يوم القيامة, the day of resurrection. يوم الحساب, the day of reckoning. يوم عظيم, a great day. Allah Taala says, ألا يظن أولئك أنهم مبعوثون? Do they not realize that they will be resurrected? Yawmin Adim on a great day. On a great day. Alameen. The day when everyone will have to be standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and giving an account of their deeds, of their minutest deeds. And they will have to be asked about the favors of Allah. On that day you will be asked regarding the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have this fear of that day, this is what is called Khufi Khuda, this is called Taqwa, this is called righteousness. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to inculcate. And if this taqwa is found, then all of the problems of the world will be solved. Allahu Akbar. Right from a family, the husband and the wife in the relationship, the husband fears Allah and how he deals with his wife. The wife fears Allah and how she deals with her husband. There will be harmony in that marriage. That is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whenever he performed a khutbah of nikah, he would recite these ayat. This particular ayah from Surah Ali Imran is in a necessary part in the khutbah of Rasulullah at the time of nikah. Why would he recite this? To remind the husband and the wife and the bride and the groom that with respect to one another's rights, if you always fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will have a successful marriage. And if you do not fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the fear of the police and the fear of society and the fear of parents and in-laws 
will only take you so far. You will end up committing dhulm and oppression. You will end up neglecting the rights of the spouse. The only fear that can protect you from disobeying, from not fulfilling the rights and not committing any oppression can ensure that is if you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if the children fear Allah ta'ala, they will obey their parents and they will fulfill the rights of one another. No one will cheat in the markets. Everyone will be honest and upright. The employee will fulfill his responsibility. The employer will pay the wages on time. No one will commit any dhulm on anyone in the businesses, in the marketplaces, in the social life, in the mu'ashara, in society, and all the way to the top of the governments. There would be no wars. There would be world peace. It sounds like some children's fantasy to talk about world peace. And, and, and people who are adults, adults who are more realistic, they know that, oh, that's never going to happen. You're never going to achieve world peace. But the reality is, if taqwa was there and the people feared Allah, the kings feared Allah, the rulers feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, <coughs> then truly we could have world peace. The solution is having the sense of accountability of the day of judgment. That is the first command. Then Allah ta'ala says, In the middle, He mentions, make sure you do not die, but in a state of Islam, in a state of submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we ensure that? Because death is something that is not in our control. We do not know when we are going to die. How do we ensure we die in a state of Islam? Is that we always continue to work on our Islam, develop our Islam, strengthen our Islam. And the way we live, that is the way we will die. كَمَا the way you live your life that is the same condition how you will die and the way you die that is the way you will be resurrected on the day of judgment so if we live Islam today then we will die as a Muslim tomorrow inshallah and we will be resurrected as a Muslim on the plains of the day of judgment so that is why Allah Ta'ala says make sure you do not die but in a state that you are a true Muslim Hold on firmly to the robe of Allah, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And do not become divided amongst yourselves. Everyone agrees that unity is beneficial. And disunity is harmful. But despite believing in this, everyone is calling towards unity on their own terms. And this is creating more disunity throughout the world. Everyone is calling towards unity based on their own banner, on their own slogans, on their own agenda and platform. And this will create more disunity. The only way to con- to create true unity in the world and in any nation or any community is if everyone gives up their own opinion and their own agenda and they subjugate, subjugate themselves to the order of Allah Ta'ala as mentioned in the Quran. So Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala does not here give an empty command that be united, it's a good idea to be united, you should be united. He doesn't just say that. But He also tells us the secret to creating unity. What is that binding factor that can unite humanity? And that is only the book of Allah, which is, is not unbiased. It does not have any relation to anyone. Allah Ta'ala does not have specific relations with anyone. No one is in the tribe of Allah. No one is related to Allah in any specific, special way. We are all equally the creation of Allah. We are all equally the slaves of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And Allah is our sole creator. And He has revealed the Quran as a revelation. So if we agree to subjugate ourselves to the Qur'an, then we can become united. That family that agrees to follow the Qur'an, that family will remain united. That community that agrees to follow the Qur'an, that community will remain united. 
that country that agrees to follow the Quran, that country will remain united. And if the entire humanity follows the Quran, the entire humanity will become united. An example of this living example in history, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran. So it is not empty talk, but rather there is a practical example in a model. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Sahaba, reminds the Aus and Khazraj who are at each other's throats, the Ansar, reminds the Muhajireen of Makkah, reminds the Arab tribes, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ Remember the favors of Allah upon you. إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً When you're enemies of one another. If someone's camel drank some water from someone's well, from another tribe, the other tribe whose water it was, they would kill the camel. Those whose camel was killed would kill the killer of the camel. Then when his murder would take place, they would go back and kill the murderer who killed their guy. And then they would retaliate and take one other life. And the blood feuds used to con- continue on. For generations, the tribes would be killing each other, shedding the blood. Innocent people would be dying. And why would this happen? Allahu Akbar. Just because one day one camel drank the water of the other tribe. This is how they were enemies at each other's throats, cutting each other, killing each other, fighting with each other. إِذْ كُنْتُمْ أَعْدَاءً You were enemies of one another. فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ Allah is the one who put love and understanding and compassion and such love which is unparalleled love in your hearts. فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا Such that you became through His favors brothers. Allah Ta'ala doesn't even say kal ikhwan That you became like brothers. Rather Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says أَصْبَحْتُمْ إِخْوَانًا You became brothers. You became brothers but actually even brothers fight among themselves. They became stronger than brothers. Stronger than blood brothers. Allahu Akbar. The example of the water. They were fighting over the water for, for generations. Because one camel drank the water. That was what their condition was. And now we know of course the famous story of the battle of Yarmouk. When uh, one Sahabi was dying on the battlefield. And his cousin brings some water for him. And he's at the, in the throes of death. And his body is bleeding from all different wounds. And he is absolutely thirsty. And he is, and, and he is dehydrating. He, wa- he needs water. And his, brother, his, un- uh, his cousin brings the water to him. And he takes the glass. And he puts it to his lips. And is about to tip the water down into his throat. And quench his thirst as he dies. But then what happens? He hears somebody else calling for water, water. This same Sahabi now, who used to fight for blood, and fight and spill blood and take lives uh, for the sake of water now is sacrificing his own life for his brother and says go give him my brother the water first and if there's anything left over then I will drink it so then the cousin he runs to the second person and he goes to give him the water and subhanallah this is not an isolated incident of some extreme incident this is repeated again the second sahabi is about to drink the water when he hears a third person crying. Subhanallah, he has the same sentiments. He has the same emotions. He has the same love for his brother. He says that, no, you take this water, give it to my brother. If there's anything left over, bring it back to me. Now this cousin is really confounded. He is very anxious. He's like, what in the world is going on? How long will this scene continue to repeat? So he goes to the third person. By the time he goes to the third person in the battlefield and tries to raise his head up to give him the water, Oh, lo and behold, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. He has passed away. His soul has returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he has entered Jannah. So then he gets scared. He runs back to the second person to give him the water. And lo and behold, oh my God, 
inna lillahi wa inna ili rajiun. He also has become shaheed. His soul has transpired, and he has returned back to Allah as a martyr. Then now he is very, very worried, and he hurriedly runs and runs as fast as he can back to his cousin, the first one. And when he goes there, and he sees that his cousin has also become shaheed, inna lillahi wa inna ili rajiun. So this is what Allah Taala says: "For asbahdum bi ni'matihi ikhwana." That you have now become brothers, ready to sacrifice your life to t- help the other one in need, and looking at the needs of others over yourself. This was the muakhat, the brotherhood that Rasulullah established in Medina. When the Muhajirin came, the Ansar, they gave up everything that they had. Whoever had any garden would divide it in half. Whoever had any home would divide it in half. Whatever property, whatever estate they had, whatever life savings they had, what, whatever they had. They would divide up all their savings in half, keep half and give half to their muhajir brother who migrated for the sake of Allah. وَالَّذِينَ تَبَوَّوا الدَّارَ وَالْإِيمَانَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ يُحِبُّونَ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَا يَجِدُونَ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ حَاجَةً مِمَّا أُوتُوا وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَى أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصَةٌ وَمَنْ يُوقَشُ حَنَفْسِهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala in glowing terms praises them in Surah Al-Hashr that they preferred others over their needs. They love those who migrated for the sake of Allah towards them. They had the genuine love for them. Subhanallah, they were ready to give up everything for their Muhajir brothers. And the Muhajir brothers were ready to serve the Ansar as well. This was such a love that was established unparalleled in the history of mankind, in the annals of history. There is no other example of such love. And how did this love happen? This love happened because they all submitted to Allah. Because they all believed in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ He is the one who created love between their hearts. Allahu Akbar. لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مَا أَلَّفْتَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ أَلَّفَ بَيْنَهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, If in order to unite their hearts, if you want to purchase their loyalty by spending money on them and you continue to spend money all the money in the entire world every money, everything in the world all the material of the world all the gold and silver and diamonds and, and oil and natural oil resources of the world everything of the world you spend it to purchase the loyalty and, cre- and purchase the friendship of uh, these warring tribes you could never have unified them on dunya, on the material means. They would never have united them. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who united them. And how did He unite them? Through the submission to the will of Allah, through the submission to the Quran. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says how dangerous the position had become. You are on the edge of the pit of the fire, about to fall into it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came and saved you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved you and made you the Sahaba, made you the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the great favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just give us a command, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us an example, a living example for us to follow. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite our hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to become uh, among the muttaqeen. At an individual level, we have taqwa. And at a collective level, we all submit to His word, thereby creating unity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be inspired by His words.
واستغفر الله لي ولكم ونساء المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا وإياكم يا فيه من الآيات وذكر الحكيم